Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Uptempo Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Lane, and tonight we're joined by our special guest by the name of Ashton Pollard. She is a staff reporter for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, Extremely proud to uh, have her on, and uh, we got a really good show for you guys. Uh, I really think you guys are going to enjoy this. Uh, Notre Dame coming down to SEC country for this podcast, and Ashton just absolutely knocks it out of the park. Uh, She talks a little bit about Brian Kelly's departure. Uh, to LSU, and then she talks about how the fan base felt about that and now how they currently feel about Coach Freeman getting promoted and getting his chance uh, as the head coach of the Fighting Irish. And then Ashton will talk a little bit about who could possibly be the next defensive coordinator for the Irish. And then she goes into, in my opinion, the best part of the episode where she talks about Notre Dame recruiting, not only for the 2022 class, but she expands to the 2023 class. Uh, absolute home run, knocked it out of the park. Uh, really, really good stuff. And then she talks about um, the biggest weakness for Notre Dame, uh, or not necessarily weakness, question mark, uh, going into the 2022 season. Uh, and she goes in-depth to uh, position players and uh, gives you a couple of key names to look out for on the Notre Dame roster. Really, really good stuff. Um And then to close it out, we talk about uh, the expectations for the 2022 season, and we talk about this extremely difficult schedule that Notre Dame is about to have to play, and they kick it off at Ohio State for the 2022 campaign. And she uh, goes in and and tells you uh, who they play, where they play, and and when they play. Um, And just really, really good stuff. Uh, You guys might not be (laughs) – you know, uh, big fans of Notre Dame, but it was an excellent, excellent episode, and I'm not going to keep y'all waiting any longer. So here you go. Here's Miss Ashton Pollard. Hello, everyone, and I just wanted to give a quick rundown on the Anchor app and how I got my start with the Uptempo podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're joined by a special guest, Miss Ashton Pollard. She is the staff reporter for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. 
Ashton, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, Blake. Thanks for having me on. Ashton, uh, you know, you're my first uh, female guest on this podcast, and um, I have a I have a three year old daughter, and um, I just started this like a month and a half ago, and yeah. you know it 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 means a lot because like you know covering college football and everything, um, you know I try to tell my daughter that she can be anything and uh that that she yeah. wants to be and uh, i just really think that's cool um the job that you do and how invested you are in it and my first question is could you talk a little bit about your journey and how you come to this point and uh and how you started covering the game of college football yeah absolutely um first of all that's awesome yeah <laughs> um, definitely the right message to send to your yes. daughter and um Happy to. I don't. I don't know that I'm really that big of a role model for anybody, but if I could, I always think that if I could inspire like one girl to even yes. become interested in football, that that um, it, it's helping. It's helping the cause. So, no doubt. Yeah, my um, my journey. It's kind of a weird one. So I um, I'm from Virginia originally. I mm-hmm. went to college in Pennsylvania, okay. and then I actually studied political science. So I wanted to move to DC and do the whole like work in politics forever, um, contemplating, contemplating running for office, like in the, in the future down the road and, um, ended up working at the department of health and human services in wow. external affairs and communications, which is where I kind of got my first introduction to the media other than just, you know, watching it on TV like we all do. Wow. Um, and so yeah, we worked with a lot of journalists. I worked in a couple of capacities there. At one point, my boss was kind of in charge of all of our communications. Um, so that was when I was heavy in the in the media, um, working with journalists and stuff. Decided that I really liked that, but I really hated politics. Um, <laughs> so I left and was debating, all right, I have these communication skills and this interest in journalism. Um, mm-hmm. I just need to do topics. So I've always been a massive sports fan. My mm-hmm. dad went to Notre Dame. That's why I grew up a Notre Dame fan. And um, everyone, I, I kind of throughout my whole life, people were always like, why don't you work in sports? Like, you should have worked in sports. And I just, I was always like, oh, yeah, sure. I don't know. And <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Like, I could go to sports journalism school. So I applied around, um, ended up at Northwestern and graduated in September of 2021. So like five, six months ago. And um, ended up at On3, which is still a company that I work for, except I work in a different capacity. So I started on the National News Desk, and we did basically breaking news for the entirety of the FBS, um, heavy on kind of the the Blue Blood programs, your Mm -hmm. Power Fives, um, Notre Dame, lumping Notre Dame into the Power Five, even though technically they're not (laughs) in it, I guess. Um, And then ended up moving over to Blue and Gold, which is the On3 Notre Dame fan site. I Mm -hmm. did that literally three weeks ago. So I'm new to the beat. Um, I'm not new to Notre Dame football, obviously, because (laughs) that was kind of my favorite thing ever growing up. But um, covering a team and being a fan of a team is very, very different. So learning the ropes, um, adding to my, what I would say was, sufficient knowledge obviously but it certainly was not the um amount of knowledge that i need to have to be successful in this role but that's kind of how i got there it's a it's a weird path but um hopefully hopefully it was a good decision to leave dc and move into sports that is absolutely incredible um (laughs) um 
and now Ashton getting into um, the football side of things, I wanted my first question. I wanted to ask about the Brian Kelly departure and how was that fan base feeling about him leaving for LSU and how are they feeling with coach Freeman finally getting his shot to be a head coach? Yeah. So that day I was actually uh, rehashing it on another podcast the other day. I guess throughout the season, um, once, really once Clay Helton was fired at USC, there were these little rumors of like, oh, Brian Kelly will look at USC, but Mm -hmm. nobody really ever believed that. There was kind of always the prevailing thought of Notre Dame's a top 10 job. The program is not Alabama, obviously, but it's kind of firmly in that second tier of Mm -hmm. teams that are very good year in and year out, um, can't quite get over the hump. But again, like it it wasn't a bad gig at the time, he was doing a bad job. And so, yeah, there were like those rumors floating around. Nobody really entertained them. And then it was a Monday um, around like 2 p.m. I got a DM from a blogger that I know that's a, a big Notre Dame blogger. And he said something to the effect of like, haha, these Brian Kelly rumors are getting a little more real than I'd like. And that was the first thing, first I had heard of it because when I worked on the national news desk, I actually had Mondays off. So I tried to stay like kind of off of Twitter, just, disconnect a little bit Mm -hmm. um from the whole thing so i was like what like what are you talking about and he's like oh go look so i go look there's like little rumors here and there but nobody is like super credible like your your bruce feldman your pete family's not reporting this yet you know Mm -hmm. it's like people that are hearing things that you don't really know whether or not it's true and um so the snowball starts to roll, gets bigger. You start hearing the you start hearing the Pete families of the world be like, "So Brian Kelly's entertaining LSU," <laughs> and by about six p.m. or seven p.m., he was gone. Mm-hmm. So all that um, when I say all that, I, I'm trying to uh, emphasize that it happened really fast, and I think the entire Notre Dame fan base was totally blindsided by it. Um, I don't know a single person that like seriously thought that he would entertain leaving um from what we found out after i guess there had been some conversations in the background where it was not obvious to notre dame athletic director jack swarbrick but swarbrick kind of said like later like it made sense but obviously the public is not privy to the one-on-one conversations between brian kelly and jack swarbrick um so the notre dame fan base not gonna lie was quite angry um i was also quite angry um it, it just kind of again it was like why why would he do this? There was the whole, obviously, LZ's paying him a boatload of money. No but doubt. there was kind of like, is it really only about the money? Like, he brought this program, quote, back. Again, I'm not, and mm-hmm. this is an SEC podcast, so I'm not trying to act like Notre Dame's Alabama. They're not. But back from the early 2000s, when they were pretty consistently not climbing above seven wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So yeah, I was kind of like, why did he do this? Is it really, is, does he really care that much about the money? Like, I don't know, there's a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of just like shock, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was, of course, the panic of who are we going to get instead? And is this recruiting class going to come crashing down? Is the 2023 one they're building going to come crashing down? Mm-hmm. And the prevailing thought among Notre Dame fans was if we can keep Marcus Freeman, it should be held together relatively well, which is obviously wow. ultimately what happened. Mm-hmm. It did stay together pretty well, um, at least initially, and I can touch on the coaching departures later if you're interested. But yeah. um, recruiting class was kept together. There were two, unfortunately, they were both wide receivers, which is a problem, but there were two guys that um, were previously committed to decommitted, but otherwise the 21-person class remained intact. Um, and 
I think once Freeman was, it was kind of, it was informally announced Wednesday that he was going to be the head coach. Friday it became official. So this mm-hmm. is all in the same week. So I think the fact that it was over with pretty quickly limited the amount of stress and panic. But the amount of stress and panic that was happening Monday night was ridiculously high, if that mm. kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? No doubt. Um, and then in terms of like thoughts on Freeman, I mean, Notre Dame, they lost their bowl game to Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. You can, I'm not going to make, ex- I'm not going to play the whole, like, they didn't have these players card because, like, a lot of people don't. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I think still that regardless of personnel on the field, it was Marcus Freeman's first game as a head coach. There's got to be growing pains. Um, I'm honestly rather, I'd rather have that than they open with Ohio State. I'd rather have <laughs> the Oklahoma State game than effectively doesn't really count, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the long in the long run, um, kind of be his trial run, see what he likes, see what he doesn't like. You let uh, the former uh, defensive line coach who's now in Michigan call the plays and um, didn't go crazy well. But, <laughs> yeah, I think I think in general the fan base is excited and they're really happy that, that, that they wanted Freeman, myself included. We all kind of wanted Freeman. Yeah. Uh, there was Luke Fickle talk, which would have been fine. Luke Fickle's a good coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I don't know that the culture that they had – Previously would have been held together, and I also think that Freeman and uh, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, might have followed Brian Kelly to LSU if Freeman didn't get promoted. So wow. it was kind of like the one the one thing that we wanted happened, so mm-hmm. everything stayed together. But had you pulled that block, that single block of the Jenga tower out, it probably would have all come crashing down. That was a very long answer. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Uh, I I I love the hire. Um, with with Coach Freeman and those Brian Kelly dancing videos at LSU, they are the cringiest thing that I have ever seen in my life. They're terrible. <laughs> I can't. I was telling somebody the other night because the night that uh, Kelly left, I was very very upset, not happy, defending him, being like, "Why? Like he should stay." Like I really liked him, and now I'm like, "Why did I defend this man?" I was like, "You have to give me crap for the rest of my life for defending this man." And she was like, "Oh, I will. Don't worry." <laughs> Uh, Ashton, can you talk a little bit about the the coaching staff and who could possibly be the uh, the next defensive coordinator in Notre Dame? Yes. So Notre Dame does not have a defensive coordinator on February tenth, mm-hmm. which, on the one hand, um, is not it, it, in like if you remove the context is like not ideal. You kind of want a defense coordinator place at this point, but. Marcus Freeman wants to hire somebody who he said like fits into the program as opposed to is going to overhaul the program. And Marcus Freeman's kind of acting as the defensive coordinator mm-hmm. right now in the sense that he's out recruiting and like he, he's a good face that recruits are like, it doesn't matter who the defensive coordinator is because Marcus Freeman's there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not as big of a problem as it would be if say you had an offensive minded head coach and no defense coordinator for the duration of the January recruiting period. 100%. Um, in terms of candidates, so the prevailing thought is that it would be Al Golden, and that's why mm-hmm. they're holding, because obviously the Bengals are playing the Super Bowl <laughs> on Sunday night. It came out the other day that Golden allegedly signed an extension, which some people were saying that, bring, that takes him off the table. I'm saying that's never stopped anybody before. We've seen 100%. so many coaching changes in this cycle where people signed and then they leave two weeks later, three weeks later, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean anything that's a nice talking point or whatever and like maybe it signals he's saying but i don't think it takes him off the table the other one that i've heard kind of picked up steam behind him is i don't know if it's joe rossi or joe rossi 
Mm -hmm. um, with the Minnesota defensive coordinator um, behind him. Um, So yeah, those are kind of the two names. It's, Basically, with everything else going on with Notre Dame, I've, in all honesty, like kind of put it on the back burner for the moment because, <laughs> gold, because again, like Golden was the prevailing thought. It was like, whatever, we're not going to hear it for two weeks anyways because he's no busy. Doubt. Now we're coming up on the Super Bowl in four, three, four days. And I, I would assume that around Monday-ish, it starts to pick back up. And if you don't hear about anyone from Notre Dame in next week, then it becomes what is going on <laughs> but for now i would say it's, i would say it's golden i do not have any inside information but that's yeah that that's that's the way i was leaning and uh and uh that's what it looks like on social media uh, for yeah. sure so uh could you talk a little bit about the the way the staff is recruiting i know you just mentioned coach freeman out on the recruiting trail and uh and talk a, a little bit about the class that they just landed and the upcoming class in the 23 year yeah, so unlike Brian Kelly, Marcus Freeman loves recruiting. Um, it's not that Kelly was bad at it. He was fair at it, but he was mm-hmm. not the guy that would wake up every morning like, wow, I can't wait to go recruit high schoolers. Marcus Freeman's kind of the opposite. Um, he mm-hmm. told his staff that nobody, basically, like, nobody's going to outwork him on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. He's out there. He's, I mean, Kelly was meeting with recruits, but Freeman's out there a lot more. I forget the number of states that visited, like, an absurd number of states in like a week long period, like, uh, like double digit states. Um, and so I, I think it's been going relatively well from what I've heard. Notre Dame hasn't gotten, um, very many commits here in the at least since I've been working at blue and gold. So like a, a little over the last month, mm-hmm. um, they, in terms of 2022 class, so they signed 22 and they have two transfers. One of them being, um, Brandon Joseph, the all American safety out of Northwestern and the mm-hmm. other one is a kicker. Um, that class, I would say it's, and we kind of spoke about this before we started recording, but it, on three ranked at number six class in the nation, which mm-hmm. the last time Notre Dame finished in the top 10 was 20, I mean, finished, I think it's higher than nine, um, was 2013 when they finished fourth. So turning wow. in the right direction in that respect, it's a very balanced class. Um, it's evenly split offense, defense, and then there's a punter in there. And... The strongest groups um, are offensive line, which is kind of Notre Dame's thing, so that's unsurprising. Mm -hmm. But I think where they did really well, and I think where you can see the Marcus Freeman effect right away, is that the linebackers are really, really, really stout. So Mm -hmm. I ran some numbers the other day, went back uh, to 2013, because that was the year that Notre Dame got Jalen Smith, who Mm -hmm. turned out to be very, very good, was very good at Cowboys for a long time, Mm -hmm. kind of has fallen off in his um later in his career but in college was incredible and so that's a 10-year mark and that's this is kind of like the 10-year anniversary of them landing that i think it was like the number two linebacker in the country he was so maybe number one um (laughs) but this class of linebackers is better than the 2013 class and it's the best one that they've signed in 10 years freeman was a linebacker i think that's Mm -hmm. part of the reason why they have um jalen sneed who was the top player out of south carolina and as I believe the number three linebacker in the country, um, he on three has him listed as a five star. And I believe as a consensus five star, which means that um, the average of all of the recruiting sites, so on three, 24 seven, ESPN and rivals, um, he averages out to a five star. So wow. he kind of headlines it. And then the three others, they're all high level four stars, all four early enrollees and they're already there, um, seem to be doing pretty well. So 
I would say, yeah, overall, it's a very balanced class, good class, um, with the one kind of exciting change being that the linebackers that they brought in are uh, better than we've seen in quite some time. Incredible. Incredible stuff right there. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you 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 definitely know your stuff. Uh, uh, what, <laughs> I've been writing a lot. The last week of my I, life has been looking at this class. So I, I, I follow I follow your stuff on Twitter, and it is amazing. Uh, Thank um, you very much. I appreciate that. Could could you talk a little bit about what is Notre Dame's biggest weakness going into this 2022 season? Yeah, um, I think it's definitely at the quarterback position, and I would I would say biggest question as opposed to biggest weakness in Mm -hmm. the sense that Tyler Buckner is the presumed starter, Mm -hmm. but he is a soft, true, he'll be a true sophomore out of California, which I say he's out of California because that means he did not play a senior year of football um, because it was canceled due to COVID. Mm -hmm. So this kid, um, he's very good. At one point he was rated a five star. I think toward the very end, he got knocked down to a very high level four star, but um, for all intents and purposes, very, very high level kid. And, um, he has a great arm. He's more of a dual threat quarterback, but he hasn't started a game since 2019. So he'll be coming up on three years if he does start come September. And his first game is going to be at the horseshoe against Ohio State. (laughs) So I think, um, Notre Dame has a lot coming back and like, there's, there really, there aren't very many concerns on defense. They're going to have objectively, I don't think this is biased. I'd say that's one of the best defensive lines in the country because um, they had three guys elect to come back um, that could have declared for the draft, one of them being Isaiah Foskey, who would have probably been a second-round pick now. It's kind of mm-hmm. going for uh, upping his draft stock. Um, but they should be very good there. Um, Brandon Joseph's coming in at safety. He was an All-American. The line, the offensive line better is fine. Um, they have some questions at receiver, but they also have Michael Mayer, who's a top mm-hmm. tight end. And then they have a couple of running backs that are very, very good. So the one, again, I don't necessarily want to say weakness because I mm-hmm. think that Bucker is a very strong quarterback and he will be very good. But it's just a matter of, like, if you go in, as you know, in college football, you go in and get blown out by Ohio State Labor Day weekend, you can overcome that, but it becomes a lot more <laughs> difficult to overcome that. So that's kind of going to be all, all Notre Dame fans' eyes are going to be on the quarterback conversation leading up to Ohio State and then starting with that game. No doubt, um, and that's that's kind of where I was hoping you would go with that question uh, to to cover that. And and now I, I want to talk about the expectations for this 2022 season. And yeah. this schedule is absolutely ridiculous. I, I was I was looking at it, and you know I know these people in SEC country. They always, you know, they're oh, they don't play a tough schedule, and they're not in a conference. This schedule is one of the toughest schedules in the country. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yes. So it really is, and I I tend to be the Notre Dame fan that like last year. I will admit the schedule was not very hard. They played mm-hmm. Cincinnati, but like otherwise, not very hard. So when I say this one is incredibly daunting, I'm not just saying that because I'm a Notre Dame fan trying to defend myself on an SEC podcast. <laughs> so they open at Ohio State. Um, they close at USC, mm-hmm. which, as we all know, is under new leadership with Lincoln Riley, has Caleb Williams. Um, that one, I think, is a little more of what's scarier is the unexpected because USC has a history of and granted, I know that Lincoln Riley is not there, but has a history of landing top talent and messing it all up. So it's kind of like, is Riley going to turn that around? 
or is uh, Notre Dame going to maybe be okay? Again, when you play a team with that much talent, there's always – you could always lose, but it's like, is this game going to be a one-versus-two situation? Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I, not necessarily one-versus-two, but, you know, like a top-ten game. Yeah. Or is it going to be just like another game where it's like they're both eight and three going in and someone's going to nine and three and someone's going to end up eight and four? So those are the bookends. Um, in between the bigger games, they play – they host Clemson in November. Mm-hmm. Um, they, which Clemson's kind of a big question mark, like who were, what Clemson are we going to see next year? Um, they play BYU in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium, the Raiders uh, stadium, which That's is awesome. really cool for several reasons, but BYU is supposed to be pretty good. And then, um, they, they, it's kind of weird because so typically they play five ACC games a year, mm-hmm. but the rule, like putting rule in quotes, whatever, wherever it's written down <laughs> in the contract or whatever, um, it says it's an average of five. So this year they only have four, which means they have some other kind of weird games thrown in here. They're playing five teams that play in the Pacific time zone, I believe. So oh, it's, wow. It's U- and well, actually, I don't know, is is BYU BYU's in Utah, obviously. I don't know if it's in the Pacific time zone. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> you get my point. Yeah. They're playing BYU, USC, Stanford, Cal, and then they play UNLV which it's kind of ironic that they play UNLV at home, and then they also play at <laughs> UNLV's home stadium, but they don't play UNLV because UNLV plays at the Raiders Stadium. Wow. So some weird games in there. And then, um, but yeah, those are kind of the big ones. Uh, at UNC is, I guess, their biggest ACC game on the road. Again, they're only four in the concept at home. But we'll see what UNC trots out after losing Sam Howell. But um, mm. that's, yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. It's... it's it's scary. The fact that they have Ohio State, Clemson, and USC. Um, and again, it could turn out, I think Ohio State could be very good. I think Clemson and USC are kind of question marks along mm-hmm. with uh, BYU. But that opener at Ohio State, Notre Dame fans are uh, very used to getting blown out on a big stage. So if they go <laughs> into the shoe and get blown out by four touchdowns, uh, I think morale is going to be pretty low. So no. we'll see what happens. No, we don't need that. We need Notre Dame in the thick of things. Um, college. college- <laughs> Yes, oh, of course. College football is always great with Notre Dame uh, at, at the top and and in the uh, discussion of, of the playoffs. Uh, that's just it's. I mean, that's how it's I always agree, been. But I'm, proud of it. but I'm, I'm kind of the type of I like the like I like the blue bloods being good. Like I'm I'm mad that Texas is so bad. Yes, I think college football is fun when Texas is bad. I, I I I'm a little less mad that USC is bad just because I don't like USC and my <laughs> fandom, but also. I was kind of, people were, when um, they picked up Caleb Williams and Riley, people were like, oh my God, like this game's going to be awful, they're going to be good again. And I was kind of like, honestly, I'm kind of tired of the USC game just like sucking. Like it's not yes. fun anymore, you know what I mean? And sure, uh, I'm sure Notre Dame will lose to USC in the next couple of years, <laughs> and like that does suck and I want them to win, but at the same time, it's like, it gets kind of boring just like beating up on USC constantly. Yeah, um, we have the Iron Bowl here in Alabama, so uh, yeah. it is. Uh, I love the Iron Bowl. Yeah, it's um, in my opinion, it's the greatest rivalry in college football. But I know uh, sure. some people think you know the game is. But um, Ashton, one last question I got for you: When is Notre Dame actually going to join the ACC? <laughs> uh, never. Never. So if, you, if you want the actual answer to that it's when they have to and Mm. jack swarbrick the athletic director 
is currently outsmarting effectively everyone in college football with maybe the exception of Greg Sankey. I think that Greg Sankey and Jack Swarbrick actually run college football together because (laughs) Sankey, for obvious reasons, has a lot of power. And then Swarbrick, because he, one, has a, he's on the expansion committee. So it's him, um, Sankey, Bubbles, being the Big 12 commissioner, and then Craig Mm -hmm. Thompson, who's the Mountain West commissioner. I know it grinds ACC people's gears to no end that Jack Swarbrick has a spot and Jim Phillips does not. I'm sure it grinds a lot of people's gears, but, um, Jack Swarbrick has a voice in everything, and basically, until until he get, until Notre Dame gets shut out of the conversation, which again is not happening, I don't think anytime soon. There's mm-hmm. no reason for Notre Dame to join a conference. I mean, if they go to twelve, people were saying, "Oh, Swarbrick agreed that Notre Dame would never get a first round buy." But I think that Notre Dame fans, like, if you're the third best team in the country, you're going to end up fifth because mm-hmm. of the way that they have it structured, and then you're going to play the number twelve team. And I've kind of heard the predominant predominant sentiment is if we can't beat the number 12 team, then, like, we don't deserve to play for the title anyways. And we'd mm. rather be independent than get one by every five years, you know? Wow. Um, and there are, there are a multitude of reasons for why Notre Dame fans don't want to be in a conference, aside from just the fact that it makes people mad. There are actual reasons <laughs> for it um, from, like, a strength and recruiting advantage and whatnot. Mm. That's a whole other conversation. But, yeah, I think – I don't think it's happening very soon, and um, based on what the expansion conversation is and how Swarbrick and I think Sankey are kind of leading it together and doing a very good job, uh, I, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Wow, that's, that's good my stuff. Opinion. No, Take good stuff. Later. Good stuff. Love to hear it. I <laughs> love to hear it. Um, Ashton, uh, could you tell my listeners where they could find you on social media? Sure, yeah. So um, primarily on Twitter, um, at Ashton Pollard 7. So it's Ashton like Kutcher and then P-O-L-L-A-R-D 7. Um, And then if you're interested in any of our work, I know this is an SEC podcast, so I can plug our fan sites. We have several um, SEC fan sites. We have Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, South Carolina, LSU, um, Florida. We're, We're adding a bunch more. So if you're interested in, you're probably not, Super interested in reading my work, but I'm mm-hmm. at blueandgold.com. But all those fan sites are fantastic um, that we have over at On3. And you should definitely check out both the national website and then the, the fan sites, respectively. I think they're really cool. And what uh, Shannon Terry, who started On3 is building, is, is really cool and kind of touches on all the different aspects of the, the fan, the player, the parents, the coaches. Um, I think it's very all encompassing and includes a lot. So you should definitely check it out. Wow, that's awesome. Ashton, um, I appreciate you joining me tonight and giving me your time. Um, It it means a lot to me, and hopefully I can get you back on uh, closer to football season and and during football season and talk some Notre Dame football with you. I would love to. I'm happy to talk football anytime, and I I love talking at the national level too. I know a lot of Notre Dame fans want nothing to do with the FCC, but I think that it's very fun to talk about. And the FCC is the FCC makes football more fun. So happy to talk about anything and everything. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Ashton, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Blake. All right. Wow, everybody, that was Ashton Pollard breaking down the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. What an episode! Uh, really knocked it out of the park. Like I said multiple times, uh, just just giving you uh, really, really good Notre Dame content, what to look out for in the 2022 season, how they're feeling about Coach Marcus Freeman, and just uh, 
a hell of an episode, man, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you, Ashton, so much for coming on, uh, bringing your knowledge to, to my podcast, and, and I really enjoyed it um, and can't thank you enough. Uh, guys, if you could, go to Spotify, uh, leave a review, five-star review, Apple Podcasts, leave five-star review, written review, whatever you got. Uh, appreciate y'all listening, tuning in, and uh, until the next one, I'll catch y'all. Peace. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.